Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Um, projects due this week on Monday and... Um, so, um, you know, I think probably being a little bit more specific coming out of halftime instead of saying, hey, these are the plays that we're thinking about running and, and you know, be, all right, here's what we're going to run. This first play, here's the second play, here's the third play, and we go from there. Is that almost like a self-scout that you might do during a pie week? Yeah, we, we just did a little bit early. We just, I just felt like, you know, it was important to figure out what's going on here. Mike Zimmer. Already having come to Jesus meetings with his offensive coaching staff five weeks into the season. Um, boys, this is Reckless Speculation Thursday. Reckless Speculation. Yes, to all those who celebrate. Uh, we have allowed, it only happens like once every three years where Doogie goes on a vacation. And so <laughs> we'll allow it. We'll allow it once every three years. But in Doogie's honor, and he'll be back with us either late next week or maybe the week after the bye, but... Um, we've lined up a small handful of um, what we think are very speculative, compelling questions across three Minnesota sports teams. Reckless speculation. We love Dukes, but let's make one thing very clear. Reckless speculation starts with this trio. Like, it starts and it ends. It starts here. With so like, us. like Doogie, Doogie, he's in the family. We allow him in the family. You can come in the door and speculate. But the speculation starts right here with the three yeah. of us. Let's, yeah, let's, okay, let's not make any bones about it, right? Like, this is, we are the OGs, the godfathers. That's, that's what I'm saying. We're the godfathers. Yeah. <laughs> reckless speculation. The reckless speculation mafia resides right on the screen on which I am looking at you guys. You look to when your we put buddies. A- you look to your pals. You look to the click. This is exactly what it is right here. <laughs> That's right, right here. Yeah. When we when we put a white rose on your doorstep, doesn't mean we're going to kill you like the mafia did in the 1930s. It just means we want to trade for your player. That's, yes. That's what it means. So let's start with this one. You heard the clip off the top there, Mike Zimmer. By the way, Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. And just keep in mind, we want titles, all right? There's a whole generation, maybe even two generations, of Minnesota sports fans that haven't seen a Twins, Wild, North Stars, Timberwolves, Vikings championship. And uh, we hold a high bar. So with that in mind, is or should Clint Kubiak be in trouble? He should not be in trouble because, not because he's doing a great job, but because he is doing exactly what we thought he would do, which is he's 34, he's got no buffer between a crusty coach and I feel like that crusty coach, who, by the way, is the head coach of the football team, 
is already starting to shove offensive people below the bus because his defense is starting to play well. So what's the problem here, offense? Pick it up. Well, Mike, you're sort of in charge of, of that too. Uh, is he in trouble, though, from the reality of what's going on in Egan? This is how it starts, gentlemen. We've seen it before. This is how it starts. It starts with sort of sideways comments that um, aren't fully frontal, but they are interesting. I think if you didn't, the clip that Declan played to start the show, if you didn't listen to that and hear what Mike is saying, you missed the start of a potential snowball. And the potential snowball is Mike doesn't take a lot of blame, if any, for the offensive problems. Because he'll say, well, it's on all of us. But listen to his quote. His quote is very direct. He said, I sent them in. I have them. It's, he's talking it. about them as if it's now, like an outside entity. He's outsourcing it. But they, I mean, them, it they. Is, but a defense is we, we, we. Offense right. is they, they, they. It's like, dude, you're the head coach. And he's you're the feeling, head coach. No, but he's feeling good now because his defense point-wise, points-wise is starting to do a good job, right? So um, should Clint Kubiak be in trouble? No, in my opinion, you're getting exactly what you asked for when you didn't have any veteran coach to help him, which they don't have like a Denison's gone, his dad is gone. I mean, Stefanski in year one had Gary Kubiak as a buffer. Mm -hmm. Um, But do I think that we have started down the path of, if they don't have a good second half against Carolina, now they're coming out of the bye and look at that schedule and those teams. I think it would be foolish to dismiss what Mike said yesterday as it'll get fixed and, and it's fine. I point you to DeFilippo, comma, John, 2018. Where's he right now, by the way? He is the quarterback's coach of the Chicago Bears. Oof. Spending years the Jaguars OC. And then I think he's in his, I think he's in year two. And uh, from what I've heard from my people in Chicago is, uh, Let's just say he doesn't have real fond memories of his partial season in Minnesota. Oh, God, how would you, right? Like, they they sort of promised him. He, he was kind of anointed as, like, the next hot. The, oh, yeah. the talk was, hey, he's going to come in here, and if you're lucky, maybe he comes back for a second year, right? <laughs> but but he's going to use it as a springboard to be the next hothead, the next Sean McVay or whatever. So I actually disagree. I think... It's not necessarily all Clint Kubiak's fault, but I think he should be on a warm seat. This offense has weapons. Kirk Cousins has flaws, but he can be used more advantageously to maximize your upside offensively. Um, The offensive line has been better. Hasn't been elite, but it's been better in most categories than it was last year. And the Vikings, despite having weapons and despite having a very capable starting quarterback, even though he's got flaws. They rank 28th in second-half scoring. They're averaging 8 points per second half. Dallas is averaging 18 points per second half. I did the math. It's it's remarkable, Phil. And it's even worse at home. The Vikings are the lowest-scoring second-half home team in the NFL, and it's not close. They're averaging 5 points per second half at home. And then I I saw that I don't want to give away all these because uh, I've got – Four interesting, compelling stats for Purple Daily today, the uh, state of the offense address. But here's another one for you guys, all right? And, and you tell me, do you think this is conservative quarterback or conservative play calling? So the Vikings are eighth in pass attempts, which on the surface you'd be like, oh, what, what, what do you mean they're conservative? They're eighth in pass attempts. They're aggressive, right? They throw the ball all the time. But when you peel back the layers, this is going to get real wonky here. All right. <laughs> I might have to fire this. All right. Get those nerds! 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 
All right, so intended air yards per pass attempt, which is basically like how many yards did the ball travel in the air? And the the reason why they use the word intended is because if you throw a ball 10 yards over, like let's say you're throwing to a receiver who's 10 yards down the field and you airmail him and the ball travels 18 yards, like, well, you're intending to throw the ball 10 yards in the air, right? That's where the word intended comes from. So basically, how many yards in the air are you attempting to throw the ball per pass attempt versus like check downs or little screens or whatever? The Vikings rank 30th in the NFL, mm-hmm. 6.6 average air yards per attempt. The Ravens are number one with Lamar Jackson. They're averaging almost 11 yards per air attempt. And so, again, whether it's they're just being more aggressive in the routes and the scheme or whether it's Lamar Jackson is just actively choosing to throw the ball more aggressively down the field, the Vikings are one of the most conservative passing teams also. On second and long, they're one of the most run-heavy teams. So the minute, oh, my God, we lost a yard on first down, the Vikings run the ball more often than any other team. So um, very conservative. Some of it might be Kirk, who doesn't want to take risks, but some of it's probably scheme and play calling. Yeah. they got to figure it out. Let me be very clear, though. If this doesn't work out, this is on one person, Mike Zimmer. That's my point. It's Kubiak is 34. You knew. I We told you again. This is just like last year. How often did we talk about that? This and, and he called, I think, one great game. If I recall correctly, how they came back against Seattle was impressive. But at some point in time, this is on Mike. You appointed the son of a friend who has, I mean, Phil, you've gone through his background. He's basically wide receivers coach at Kansas, quality control guy. You gave him this job, and now you're like, well, we are self-scouting ourselves to make sure. If anybody deserves to be in trouble off of this, it is Mike. It is not Clint. Now, if they all get fired, I don't care. But my point is we have to stop um, with this. Well, the coordinator's not doing his job. I mean, Mike Zimmer is talking about loosely mentioned yesterday, and I did some checking, and this is unprecedented, loosely mentioned um, scripting the start of the second half. Now, first of all, you have you have in halftime in this league, 12 minutes, okay? So you don't have the college, hey, let's go have a hot toddy and talk about the first yeah. half time. You don't get a, you don't get a week you don't, to script your first yeah. 15 plays, right? Yeah. Second of all, if you don't trust your offensive coordinator to call plays by feel of the game, what were you doing hiring him? Yeah. Mike is in his 60s. I am I am in zero way going to say, yeah, they should change coordinators. If this is that bad, this is on Mike, and it should be Mike's job, and Mike should be the one who has to in- answer the questions. And he also knows, here's the thing that drives me crazy, and Dennison being forced to go offside because he didn't get the COVID shot plays a role here. I get that, but that's still no excuse. Mike Zimmer needs a veteran buffer. He needs Gary Kubiak. Shermer was a, a veteran coach. Norv walked, and Norv had been coaching forever, yeah. right? And now we're talking about this being on the plate of a 34-year-old kid who, by the way, is being asked to work with two of the most headstrong, obstinate people probably on the face of this earth, yeah. Cousins and Zimmer. So, so yeah, I'm not impressed by Clint, but the problem, the root of the problem, Clint is a branch here. Mike, Mike is the root here, and that's why it's frustrating to see him go down this path again when he was forewarned by people who do really good Marconi potential winning podcasts. That's right.
That's right. Mar- <laughs> the Marconi finalist, Purple Daily, right up there. I, th- I thought we were supposed to find out like yesterday. Yeah. They, they canceled. They canceled the award show because of COVID, and I don't know. Like they haven't announced the winner, so maybe they just maybe <laughs> like we're like we got to all go. And now, now you're like we're gonna find uh, out. It was supposed to be last night, but we I don't. don't know I haven't seen any winners yet. I I'm sure Clay Travis here with the information. We're up against Clay Travis, so we'll have to outkick that one. Yeah! Wow, there it is. Oh, very good. Um, all right, let's get to the let's get to the next item here on reckless speculation Thursday. Reckless speculation. So, all right, so Ben Simmons has awkwardly shown back up to Philadelphia 76ers camp, and uh, Doc Rivers was even asked yesterday or a couple days ago, "Is he going to like play?" And Doc's like, "I don't know." <laughs> it's, so it's super weird. Um, so I guess all right, Judd posed these questions. I'll throw them out to the room here. Does Ben Simmons' return to the 76ers increase the odds they will trade him? Does it get the wheels moving? Yep. And what is your current level of interest and or what would your offer be if you're the Timberwolves? I threw out the question because of this. I think that behind the scenes, everybody knows the the Simmons camp, the Sixers, everybody knows, despite the fact that there's friction uh, and probably some hatred there now, that he has to be back to be traded for a decent package like I think if he if he sits out who are the Sixers going to call and say you got to give us a lot and they're going to be like he's not even he's not with your your team so um, I do believe that this is the first step in a trade being made what I'm curious mostly from you Phil though is is right now if you are the Wolves what's the package because I will go back to I like where the Wolves are going I think that there's clearly chemistry here. So, like, this is not a, a fantasy basketball trade where you're just like, oh, again, take three guys. Yeah. Uh, so as, as the most diehard, passionate Wolves fan on this show and a complete crazy, because I don't get why in life, what is your trade package right now? Because I know that you still like him. All right. This is, this is probably going to be me and my Wolves Kool-Aid drinking uh, Homer self. That's what I wanted. Going down the wrong path, but because I'm, I've watched three preseason games. Uh, the Wolves have looked really good in those three preseason games. I'm also taking what I saw down the stretch last year. They beat Utah a couple times. You know, they played 500 basketball, maybe even a little bit above 500 basketball in like the last 20 games or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hoping happens here is that the Ben Simmons 76ers thing kind of drags into like. December, January, whatever that looks like. Like maybe he even he plays, but it's weird, and they're just kind of, you know, they're they're winning some games because they're talented, but it's it, but he it's kind of like Jimmy Butler, but you know maybe not quite as explosive as Jimmy Butler made it. I think Jimmy Butler has a more explosive personality. I think Ben Simmons would come in and just basically just ignore all of his teammates and do his thing and be a mercenary. I want to see what this group of Timberwolves looks like for like a month. I want to see D'Lo, I want to see Ant and Cat play together. I want to see Jaden McDaniels in his second year. I'm just really curious to see what this current collection looks like. Now that we've like, when it was all just a theory back in June, July, August, you know, all right, yeah, because I, I, I do think that Ben Simmons on paper is a more valuable piece when put with this team than D'Lo is. Now, D'Lo's a better offensive player. Obviously, D'Lo's a better shooter, and if you need a bucket in the fourth quarter, D'Lo is the guy you're going to turn to before Ben Simmons. Um, but I think this this team still needs perimeter defense. I think Ben would be such a great complement to the pieces, the the Cats, Ant, Beasley, right? 
Um, that being said, after watching three preseason games, I'm like, ooh, ooh <laughs> this is this is interesting. Oh, look at these guys. They're they're gelling. They're coming together. They got Patrick Beverly and Jaden McDaniels to worry about defense. And so I want to see what this looks like for a month. I don't know that Ben Simmons will be traded within a month of the season starting. Um, the Kyrie Irving stuff is really interesting because in Pennsylvania, I don't. I think you can you can play if you're not vaccinated in Pennsylvania. So like, there's been some rumblings of would the Sixers and the Nets swing a trade where Ben Simmons goes to the Nets or maybe it's a three team trade or something, and Kyrie goes to the Sixers, right? Which, I mean, you're looking for a great perimeter scorer to pair with Joel Embiid. I mean, it would be. I wouldn't want to touch Kyrie Irving for a million different reasons. Right. Um. But I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next month. But I want—I kind of want to see this current crop of Timberwolves. Am I crazy? No, you're not. But so, so if you if you see them and they're good, but you say to yourself, okay, Ben Simmons' defense would make a difference here, like a substantial one. What do you think? Like, how far would you be willing to go trade wise? If and, I, if, like, if 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 in the taking fir- guys out as well. This is where, all right, if if in the first month of the season, it's just very obvious the Wolves are a below 500 team. Like, you can just kind of tell. And D'Lo is, you know, D'Lo's going four for 13 every other game or something. You know, then I get more aggressive. Yep. But then I watch these preseason games, and I see Jaden McDaniels popping threes from the corner, and I'm <laughs> like, all right, if, even if you could get Ben Simmons without giving up D'Lo, do I want to give up? Jay McDaniel's rookie scale contract for the next three years. It's like, and again, this is me just guzzling right, current no, roster wolves Kool Aid. That's why I asked. You're going to have to part with good players if you want to get Ben Simmons. Sure. Um, but again, if the Wolves start hot and they look like they're gelling, and Chris Finch has elevated this thing and they're playing hard, I don't know. Maybe I'm bored with it. I don't know. What about you, Declan? I, I think it doesn't hurt his trade value. Um, I just. As I think even with everything going right for the Wolves, if it goes right, I, I don't see them being like still a juggernaut in the West. Uh, I think they'll look competitive, and I think they'll look more gelled because finally everyone, hopefully, knock on wood, is healthy and, and, and no one's getting injured and finally get to see this core and nucleus together. Um, but I do think Simmons probably gets moves in the, moved in the next month. Um, it, he obviously had to report those fines were going to keep adding up, but I, I don't see him being in Philadelphia by the start of the regular season, if he does, it's, it'll be like a Jimmy Butler situation where he's probably moved within the first dozen games or so. It's going to be uncomfortable, yeah. and the Sixers are probably just going to have to accept they won't get the return that they're seeking for him. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just weird. Like this, all of this would have been better solved back in like July or August, so that all right, if the Wolves were going to make this trade, you're not uprooting something that was now molded throughout training camp, you know, and, right. and now it's kind of weird because now they're all gelling and they love, they can, you can tell they love playing together. And it's like the, the chemistry was probably pretty good when they were working out in the off season. But once you get everyone in camp, it's like now you run the risk of upsetting something that looks like it's gelling. Well, yeah. so, and is, is Ben a frustrated guy who has gone off the deep end because of what transpired against the Hawks in the playoffs is he the guy the guy who can become a malcontent again? Like, I don't know him, and that's the problem, too. Because if he's going to come here, play defense, play hard, and be a good guy, that's a, that's a big di- difference from a guy who might struggle shooting again, and now he's frustrated again, and you start to go through that. So yeah. I would need to know or have a really good idea personality-wise, off-the-court-wise, what I'm getting. Yeah. 
and he, and we don't know. Like we we've, we've never seen him in the NBA outside of that weird Philadelphia environment. It is weird that he hasn't taken more steps to shoot more. Um, and then you watch him in some of these videos in the off season. It's like he clearly he has a decent shot, and he he's knocking down threes and TikTok videos. Like it's mental, man. So, but I I'm I'm aware of his flaws. Right. His strengths are being underplayed. Like people aren't right. talking enough about his strengths. People act like he can't score too, well, just because he can't shoot. I mean, he scores at a at a very great rate inside ten feet. Yeah. So. Yep. You're right. All right. All right. Item number three here. On this reckless speculation Thursday. By the way, uh, later in the show here, we're going to talk to our friend Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer for ESPN.com, and get his thoughts on the wild. Uh, But this one is wild speculation related here, and uh, it's sponsored by the wild, unbeknownst to them. (laughs) We're giving away wild tickets, wild preds, on October 24th, and all you have to do if you want a chance to win them, is open the Score North app. It's free to download. Register and enter through listener rewards. We're going to pick a winner on October 21st. If you're a college student, college night discounts are back this season. And wild tickets start at just $39. And there's a few games to choose from each month. So find out more at wild.com slash theme packs and enter to win wild Preds tickets on the Score North app. Uh, Dex, you go ahead and set yeah. this one up. But uh, it sounds like there might be a goalie available. Here. Uh, center, center, Dylan Strom. Oh, I'm sounds, sorry. Uh, D- Dylan I know. Strome. I know a lot about hockey. The hockey whisperer. Ben Simmons. And th- there ben might. Simmons. Don't don't distract. N- knowing the wild <laughs> goaltending issues, they could be always looking for a goalie. So let's let's also never rule that out with reckless speculation with the wild. Uh, but Dylan Strom, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, who has been kind of on the block on and off for like the last year and a half with Chicago, um, a former third overall pick. Uh, his brother is a prolific player for the Rangers. He comes from a bloodline of hockey players. Uh, but last night on opening night was scratched, was a healthy scratch for the Chicago mm. Blackhawks. And when he came to Chicago from Arizona, he spent three seasons in Arizona and then was traded to Chicago at the deadline in 2019 and actually played pretty damn well for Chicago in those 58 games. He had 51 points, um, looked like a nice another center behind Jonathan Taves. You thought, oh God, here comes Chicago and they're going to have just another great center behind him. Well, ever since then, he's kind of hit a wall. He's been a little bit ineffective. Um, kind of mostly been a power play guy. Hasn't been as strong five on five after his first kind of impressive debut with Chicago. And now he's on the trade block. Um, with Kirby Dock in Chicago emerging and obviously Jonathan Taves being unmovable, they look at Strom and say basically, all right, we're open for business. We can move this guy. He is a center. He's a third overall pick. I kicked yeah, around. Third overall yeah. pick. He was a third in 2015. So, I mean, yeah, he's got a pedigree. He's definitely got skill. Um, and last year with Chicago, he didn't play with the top players. He mostly played in a bottom six role and, and scored almost the majority of his goals on the power play last season. Um, but he is someone I would 100% take a, a chance on. Uh, he's, he's a guy who I think would benefit from a new change of scenery. He'd benefit from most likely playing with someone like Kevin Fiala. This would be someone to take a chance on 100%. I don't think the Wild would give up a first or second round pick or a top prospect to land him um, because his value is kind of pretty low right now. But when when Pierre Lebrun says, I can see him being moved in the next week, which he said on TSN yesterday, I mean, if Lebrun is saying, look at, look for him to be moved in the next week or two, he's probably going to be moved. So I, if I'm the Wild, I would pick up the phone and try to figure out some type of trade. But that compensation coming back to Chicago is a little tricky to figure out, Judd. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get him because I, I think that they're probably going to want for him 
a first round pick, a, a high pick, or to your point, a top prospect. And I don't think, you know, I, I know the film does not care about this, but I think if you're the Blackhawks, you're also you're also not going to give him away to a team in your division at the start of a season. My question from the Wild standpoint, and we don't know the answer to, to this, and we touched on this uh, in Judd's Hockey Show yesterday as well, Phil. My question is this. What is the grand plan short-term as well for for Marco Rossi, who's gone to play in, in um, Des Moines? He's going to start the season there. And I think he's going to play a ton. He's probably almost certainly going to be first line. If the thought process is, okay, he's going to pop there, and w- when he pops, he's going to come up, I don't know, take your pick, December or so. Or are they thinking, yeah, you know, he didn't play it last year, basically. He needs to play a lot more. And so we basic, we are, we don't have that guy. So to me, the talk about potentially trading for a center, which is going to be expensive, like that's never cheap. That's never, never cheap. Uh, really comes down to what's your plan for Rossi and how quickly do you expect him to emerge? Because if you expect him up here in two months, you're probably not going to make a huge trade. If you're like, well, it might be a while, that would at least give me cause to say we probably should explore something that could that could certainly help our top six at that position. Well, do you okay over the next five years? And I get that you guys have focused more on Rossi than you have on Strom, but which player has a better chance to be a first line center in like two years from now? Rossi. Who's the higher upside? Rossi, Rossi does. Oh yeah, his, Rossi. His, his upside is extremely high. We just don't know how. But at what point? At one point, didn't I mean? If this dude was a third overall pick, like at one point, didn't the entire league think the same thing about mm-hmm. Dylan Strom's upside too? Probably. That's like this is an interesting buy low candidate, and I just heard his name for the first time this morning. Well, then so. you're, you're not listening because Declan Goff has been talking about this guy for like three years, inclu- including at one point being filleted by Wild Twitter when he I got killed throughout the possibility, and he absolutely got ratioed like I've never seen before. Um, this is an interesting one. I will say this on the third overall pick, just to slow the roll a little bit. He was the third overall pick by the Coyotes, who are sort of a weird team. Like they've had they they haven't always had the best of luck, and and so I'm not sure that he is really like a oh, third overall pick. He was going to be fantastic. It's an interesting one. I just Dex, I think the problem is to your point, compensation. I don't think you could get him back for what Bill Guerin would be willing at this point to surrender. Right, and I mean. If I'm the wild, I, I can get him for a third or fourth round pick. I'm all in. Like I, I'm, I'm totally am, and oh, I would do yeah. that in a heartbeat. But his value's in the tank. I don't think a team's gonna give up a first round pick for him. And also with Boldy, Rossi, and even Adam Beckman to that to that degree, we talk about Rossi's ceiling being a first line player. We talk about Matthew Boldy most likely being a first line or top six guy. Now this Adam Beckman kid has a hell of a camp, and he's part of it. The issue is now Wild fans have this surplus of prospects, and this goes to baseball too. The likelihood of all three of them hitting their top ceiling is incredibly low. It's most likely only going to be one of them that hits their top ceiling. So I, I would definitely not part with Rossi or Boldy, but if it's Beckman or if, 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 if you want to figure out something, I would consider it. I would consider it. That would do. Reckless speculation. Well, you guys, uh, Judd's. Hockey show is in full effect here. Monster Season starting. Show. Monster preview. Yeah. That's all I'll so, say. So uh, you guys can uh, check that out multiple days a week on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, or there's a separate feed that we have for Judd's hockey show. 
Uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna welcome our friend Greg Wyshynski into the show for a little bit of a national perspective on the wild. So stick with us. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth turkey for forty or a Murray's baked brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of thirty five dollars or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Listen, you guys know what this is all about, right? Right? What's it all about? Spurgy? Hard work and having fun. that. This is about winning. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Just inject that right into our <laughs> veins here. Uh, Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. And uh, he's a friend of the show. We've had him on a number of times over the years. And he is a senior NHL writer at ESPN, ESPN.com, and co-host of the Puck Soup podcast, Greg Wyshynski. Are you happy to have the ESPN NHL theme song back in our lives? <laughs> Well, I mean, for some of us, it never left. Um, You just go to sleep. Some people put meditations and white noise on at night. You put that theme song on. (laughs) No, I I was I was really um, as you know, as an ESPN hockey writer, sometimes people can be a little cruel uh, with regard to the placement of the sport on the network at times. And, And Gary Bettman even made a joke the other day about the idea of. He's like, well, I hope that ESPN puts as much energy into promoting our game as they put into ignoring our game for the last 15 years, which is a great line. And it's one he made when we actually met him uh, in Chicago and he talked to the entire ESPN staff. But what I was going to say is that what I I didn't anticipate was the moment we got the rights back, all of the people that had been, you know, dogging me for being like, oh, you're an ESPN hockey writer. They don't care about hockey. All of a sudden, a switch flipped, and it was like, oh, my God, I remember the song. I remember Bouchagras and ESPN2 and watching the Red Wings and Avalanche beat each other up. Oh and God. like It was this like incredible groundswell of uh, nostalgic joy that made me uh, – <laughs> it made me so happy because it, 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 meant, it meant something that hockey was coming back uh, to ESPN. Um, and and I, didn't, I hadn't really detected that in my, uh, my four years with the company. And Greg, I think what people forget too is is there is a generation of people that um, saw ESPN two launched on the back of hockey. Like yeah. if you go back to to the goofy graphics and and the shows that that they tried that were supposed to be hip and cool, and they they said you know hockey is the hip and cool sport back then, and so like it was it's. I think there's a lot of people starting with that song that absolutely embrace this going back now. And I will say this. I think the new U.S. TV contracts are incredibly smart now. Like hockey's done a lot of things wrong. My guy Gary's (laughs) done a lot of things wrong. Um, This is one where I think it's incredibly smart. Split the package, get it with two known providers, and and you're going to get a lot of people who didn't dip in previously who dip in now. Yeah, people don't know that ESPN2 started with Bill Pito in a, in a leather jacket talking about, uh, <laughs> you know, Doug Gilmore highlights. No, I, uh, you're right. And, and I, I, I echo the sentiments of all hockey fans that, um, you know, not to 
shady uh, NBC. I think they, they did some things that were quite good, but like casting your lot with a monolithic television contract for 16 years was so counterintuitive. I mean, you know, every other major sport is on multiple networks and, and uh, you want to have the ability to reach different audiences. Obviously with ESPN, you know, already you see the cross promotion. I mean, you know, Sidney Crosby getting an interview on Monday night football and things like that. I mean, there, there's going to be opportunities to reach sports fans in, in a way that they couldn't on NBC. And then the TNT factor of it is a different audience. And, and, it, and it could be a, a, you know, that's more of an entertainment channel. Um, and you're going to get like NHL promotion on AEW wrestling and things like that. So, I mean, it's, um, it's great. It's a it's a much wider net cast to create new hockey fans, and and also like, you know, as you already saw in this first week of action, um, competition's a good thing. And you know, we look at what they do, and they look at what we do, and whether it's the studio shows or the technology, um, it's not going to ever just atrophy. You know, there's always going to be a constant push to be as good as what the other guys are doing. Greg, too. Can we just can we just get Chris Jericho from AEW to commentate some some hockey yes. games on TNT or something? Can we just get Jericho to do the same thing? Y two J. I would love to see it. I said to somebody last night on my Twitter feed, they're like, they're like, this sucks. You know, where's AEW wrestling? Because uh, they were showing the Caps and Rangers. I'm like, uh, you know, hey, if if you miss AEW, I could show you something else that has fake fights and a bunch of Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Dex. Go ahead, uh, Greg. With the with the Minnesota Wild this season, um, I, I feel like a lot of people are really bullish on them. After Kirill Kaprizov's uh, impressive debut last season, they pushed the Knights to seven games, and we all know Colorado is is the favorite in that division. They they by the way they looked last night, they they could absolutely make a run to the Stanley Cup like they should. But when you look mm-hmm. at the gauntlet in, in that division, and you had to make a decision who would who would be the second best team in the Central, do you look at Minnesota as a team that could probably finish second to Colorado in the division? Well, again, I don't want to base too much off of one game, basically because my my pick was Winnipeg, who <laughs> lost to the Ducks. Uh, the Ducks, by the way, I think are, are going to be the best team in California. I think people are really underrating them. They they are the team that has reached that sweet spot of the young players and the veterans that are still on the roster and kind of coming together. I think I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, I, I like Winnipeg as the second best team in the division, only because they have uh, two things that Minnesota does not. Um, I like their center depth better. And, you know, again, I, I look at this team and, and granted, they're going to get to a place in the next couple of years where the center spot is not going to be a point of concern anymore as the young players mature. But I think it still is at this point um, on the Minnesota roster. And, and the Jets, you know, have Shifley and Dubois mm-hmm. up, the, up the gut right now, which is better than what the Wild have. Um, and the other thing is, obviously, Connor Hellebuck is uh, probably, for my money, the second best goalie in the league. Uh, if there was a fatal flaw to the Wild last year, it was that their team defense from an analytics standpoint was really good, but their goaltending couldn't match that level. And um, if if it does this season, I think it could be a really, really good run for them. Um, but that disparity between what the, the rest of the team was doing defensively versus what the goaltending was allowing, I thought was was a, a bit of a problem last year for for Minnesota. Greg, there's been a lot of just really interesting and sort of cloaked talk about culture in the room, especially after Billy Guerin came in and said, all right, the Parisi-Suter era ends with two phone calls on the same day. 
Uh, I mean, that's been it's been almost a decade of Parisi Suter, and I don't think we would consider it necessarily a failed era because they were a fun, exciting team, but they never made it to the conference finals. There's always been a lot of chatter about uh, Suter and Parisi just not always being the most coachable guys, and I mean, Billy Garrett, Parisi looks more cooked on the ice than Suter. Suter was literally we. Garen said, I don't want him in the room anymore, which is yeah. interesting. Um, so w- w- when when you saw that news, and now that you've had some time to digest it, uh, as the Wild move into a new era, whatever that looks like, how did that land with you? Well, I mean, like, it landed with me that they must really want him the hell out of there if they're willing to <laughs> kill their cap for three years to yeah. do it, right? Like, I mean, that's the priority of, of making that culture change. And, you know, it makes sense. These guys had been there for a really long time. They obviously predated Billy Garen getting there. Um, you try to transition the team to a younger core and a younger leadership group. And that's very, very difficult to do when you have two players of that stature in the room that are there like seemingly in perpetuity because of their contracts. So it makes a lot of sense that you'd want to make that change. And, and maybe the only way that you can make that change because of their contracts is through the buyout um, to move the team forward. And again, like like I said, from a financial standpoint, it wasn't very advantageous. I mean, they're going to have to make some very tough decisions during those years in which they have so much of that dead money on their cap. But from a moving the team forward perspective and transitioning it to the Kaprizov era, um, it was clearly something that had to be done. And I, I'm, you know, I agree with you on Parise. I, I mean, yeah, he's obviously not the player that he was, um, but I am interested to see him cast in a different role in. Uh, with the Islanders. I I wrote about this this week where I I picked the Islanders to win the cup. And one of the things that Lou Lamarillo does as a general manager is he's always found a way to take veteran players that, you know, used to be maybe big scorers and cast them into more supporting roles and and making them more role players. Like you think about the 95 devils when Bobby Carpenter, who used to be like a 50 goal scorer was like their checking center. I could see Parise excelling in a limited, more focused role on that team. Um, because obviously he's still he's not the you know top line left wing he was when they signed him to that contract. That uh, c- contract is good too. One year, seven hundred fifty thousand bucks is a good like that's yeah. what you wanted Zach for now, right? Not you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess I mean that's thousand dollars. I love any team that that smartly signs guys that are on buyout contracts. I mean Philly did that with Keith Yandel. Yep. It's happened a few times. I remember the first one I, I can remember is when um, Chicago signed Brad Richards after he got bought out by the Rangers for like a million bucks. I mean, those contracts are really, really good. But but usually you have to have, you know, a, a compelling reason for those guys to sign for that money. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, Prize wanted to play with Lamarillo or, or Yandel wanted to play with the Flyers. I mean, you look at Suter, he's flush with buyout money, but he gave the Stars a little bit of a discount. He didn't give them a huge discount, though, right. uh, in signing that contract with them. Right. What what's the the perspective nationally, Greg, on how good Kirill Kaprizov could, could be? Because here it's hard not to drink the Kool Aid. Like he looks so good, and this team, you know, to be clear, since uh, Gabrick left, this team has had a lot of guys who work hard at times and try, but they're not that talented. What's the feeling nationally about how good this kid can be? Well, it, it's a it's an interesting competing philosophy. Um, one is that, and this is the one I buy into, which is that he he is an extraordinarily talented, transformative player for a franchise. I mean, I, I was in D.C. when Ovechkin showed up, and I'm not saying that Kaprizov's going to be Ovechkin. Nobody's Ovechkin. 
I think the aggregators <laughs> might feel differently after this. Are you is sure over. you didn't oh, say that? Are you Kuczynski. sure we didn't hear that? Oh no! <laughs> but I, I, I was there for when he changed the vibe culturally, and uh, we've seen the Ovechkin effect in a in a couple of different places in the league since since that time, and one of them is Minnesota. I mean, no one could watch the Wild last year and not feel the gravitational pull of his charisma as an individual. And as a an iconic player, I mean, where all of a sudden people are like, you know, he spawned an entire T-shirt industry last year uh, with nicknames. But then also like the way he plays on the ice just has this. It's an it's a it's an energy that per, you know permeates throughout the organization. And and I saw the same thing happen when Ovechkin came up with the Capitals. But the other part of this was this weird pullback on that when it came to signing him to that contract, there was a, there was this sentiment of being like, well, does he really deserve to get that money after such a limited amount of time? And, you know, for someone like me, I mean, you know, he's got a work history in the KHL. His, his you know, first year was incredible. I think you can safely make the bet that he's going to be okay. But there was sort of that very minority voice undercurrent of let's not get ahead of ourselves with this guy. Um, that I, I didn't hear during his season, but heard when the financial started, part of it started to come into play. And to that point, Greg, I think that's why it's so intriguing what they're doing with Kevin Fiala long-term. Because Fiala, mm-hmm. since basically uh, in, the pan- in the first pandemic-shortened season, he bursted onto the scene. He was the game-breaker that Paul Fenton said he'd be when they acquired him from Nashville. <laughs> and then yeah. over over like the last 100-plus games, he has the body of work that says, hey, I... I deserve a big payday. I've been basically your guy next to Kirill over the last 55 games. Where's my payday? He gets just the one year and he gets another RFA status next year. And to bring it back to the cap casualty, it just seems like he's unfortunately going to outbid himself for the wild because he's going to outprice them. I mean, and and I think it's a dangerous assumption that to let Kevin Fiala go away because this team has lacked legitimate goal scores, and it's going to be, I think, a, a potentially bad bet that the Wild weren't able to lock him up long term this summer. Or yeah, but I mean, the flip side of that is that you're you're hoping that he does the thing that NHL players do sometimes, which is to be very comfortable in the market and to like his team and like his teammates, and maybe at you know after this season they've pushed to a point where he feels like I'd like to be a part of the thing that we're building here, and and. You know, that's a very hockey centric thing. Uh, you don't often see it in other sports, but it does happen. And, and, and maybe that's part of the math here because, look, he, he knows what the contract situation is for this team, or the, the cap situation is for this team going forward. Um, he knows what's going to be available to him. If he wants to, you know, leverage that into a departure to go get a contract that he wants someplace else, I mean, it's, it's completely feasible that's going to happen. But it's also feasible to think that if he, likes where the team is going and he likes where he is that he may try to, you know, take a little bit of a haircut versus going somewhere else and breaking the bank. Where does Jack Eichel land? Because Greg, I will say of all the positives in this sport right now, this to me is not one. Like this is just a mess. He, he still has not had surgery or not. Uh, when do you think it gets resolved and where do you think he lands now? So, there's so many moving parts to this. Um, the first, obviously, is which team will allow him to get the surgery that he wants. Uh, when Pat Brisson got involved to be his agent, uh, I had a source joke to me that uh, he had just hired the shadow commissioner <laughs> to be his agent. So, like, wow. I mean, Brisson is a is a big 
big mover and shaker in this league. And I think he's going to be able to finesse something to get him out of Buffalo and get him the surgery that he wants. Yeah. Um, the question is, which team will allow that? And, and once you've narrowed that field down, then we look at those teams and say, okay, now who can give Buffalo the return they're looking for? Because they, they can – the part of this equation that people don't recognize is the amount of PTSD that's in that organization from the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Mm-hmm. They whiffed on that trade, and it set the organization back, and it set them back as they watched him win the, like, the Conn Smythe and a, and a cup with, with the Blues. So they can't screw this up. This is the, this is the trade that's going to then launch the Sabres into the next incarnation of their team. And so when you get the market of who's going to allow him to get the surgery, then you get the market within that market of who has the assets to actually make this deal that the Sabres want to make. It's, it's a really fascinating process of the teams that have been sniffing around. Um, I'm not convinced the Rangers are out of it, even though they signed Zibanejad to that contract. Um, But it would take them moving a Jacob Truba or somebody off their cap to make it happen um, because they're going to have to pay Adam Fox and Capococco and Alexis Dalfrenier at some point too. The team I keep coming back to, or or there's two of them, Calgary, um, which may need a transformative move at some point because it's just not coming together up there and Anaheim because they have the assets, they have the young players um, and the, the, you know, draft assets and, and also, you know, veteran players of value that the, the Sabres could then turn around and deal. I, that's one thing I've heard throughout the process too, is that although most of the asking prices I've heard and I've heard from GMs have been like four pieces and most of them are good young prospects, um, that there is a thought that to make the money work, the, the Sabres will have to take on some veteran players and then turn around and then trade them at the deadline. Yeah. What a mess. What a mess. But it's a compelling storyline. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, well, senior think, NHL writer. Do you think the Wild will get trade for him, or do you think they're out? No, we spent about two months we thought so parsing earlier. that in the offseason. I mean, I think that they know what the price is, and it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Guerin doesn't. Bill Guerin's made it very clear he's not going to mortgage much, Greg. And so I, I don't think that he – and I also think that he has concerns – and rightfully so, and this is my big question about Jack is, what's Jack like in the room? Like mm-hmm. there's, because Bill Guerin, make no mistake, the, the thing that from the day he got here, the thing that Bill Guerin has worked the hardest at is getting the room right. Yeah. Because that no, room was a mess. That's a really good point. I mean, I'll, I'll say that, you know, visions of Eichel, Rossi, and, you know, Eric's neck kind of like up the gut for the next, you know, six years is pretty great. Um, that's the reason why I don't ever consider teams that aren't like moving up the rankings to contender status uh, for Eichel. Because I, I, I don't see the value in him going from a place where he was miserable not winning to a place where he's just going to be miserable not winning again. Um, one team we didn't talk about, though, vis-a-vis Eichel is the Bruins, which... Ooh feel like are kind of like lingering in the background. Let's say like if, 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 if it's a, they, you know, they lost Krejci, um, they're going to have to pay McAvoy. But if for some reason, Patrice Bergeron decides this is his last season, you know, you could easily see that happening. And he would obviously be the happiest boy in the world. If he played in Boston. 
I love Greg jumping in on a reckless speculation Thursday here, too. Reckless <laughs> speculation. It's great there. Well, what's the um, point of it all if we can't do that? Exactly. Right? exactly. What's the point of life if you yeah, can't man. recklessly speculate? This is a man, boys, who, who on, on his show a couple nights ago brought up, invoked the name of former Nords goaltender Ron Tugnut. Man, when you're talking to Ron Tugna, you got you got me. That's my wheelhouse. That's as hot oh, yeah. as it gets. Ron we did, uh, Tugnut. Bobby me and, me and, me and Bobby, me and Ardo Cal, did a, we have a show called The Drop that's going to be on sort of infrequently for the next few months. But then once college football's over, we're going to do it weekly, kind of leading into the games. And uh, it's a chance for us to do um, weird things. And, and one of the weird things we did was we – now, as rights holders now have access to every highlight in the history of the National Hockey League uh, mm-hmm. at our demand. Um, and so I, I requested from the NHL Highlight Nexus to show me the 61st save that Ron Tugnut made on his 70 save performance against the Boston Bruins in 1991. And uh, lo and behold, they had the clip. Wow. So that's the power. <laughs> Wait, did you just pick, did you randomly pick the 61st save or did, was, yes. was it like a special save? Of some I wanted kind? to challenge the the highlight next. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is a, no, this is, this, <laughs> is a, this is a, this is a, this is a war game style Whopper supercomputer that we now have at our disposal. And uh, I don't see the need to not, I mean, like Arta picked like Brett Hull's skate in the crease. Like, great. Very easy. Yeah, like man. anyone can find that. Show me John Van it. John Van Beesbrook no. seven minutes into the third overtime, nineteen ninety five playoffs. <laughs> North Stars yeah. next time. Madonna's first yeah. goal. Right. Pick that. Sure. Please. Or I'll pick his like ninth goal. Like okay. I want to challenge the highlight nexus. <laughs> okay, you do that. Yeah. To show what kind of like we're rights holders now. We gotta we gotta flex that. a little bit. Flex those muscles, man. It's been fifteen right years. Now. Yeah. Put them to work. Yeah. Greg, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. And go awesome. check out uh, go check out his work, ESPN.com, NHL senior writer, and uh, the Puck Soup podcast. We'll we'll do it again here sometime. All right. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Take all care. Right. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, his appearance on the Mackie and Judd Show brought to you by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, they're all about risk management, all about helping protect your bottom line, your employees, and uh, they have all sorts of great resources available. The Risk Management Corner on federatedinsurance.com. Just go there and um, and uh, immerse yourself in great resources. And uh, remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Before we get to old tweets exposed, mm-hmm. that, first of all, that was great. Yeah. I mean, I, this is I – was, I was starting to tell you guys this, I feel like, off mic, or maybe it was earlier in the show. I don't know. It all blends together. But, like, as a very casual hockey fan – I have watched more hockey in the last 48 hours yes. with it with it being on yes. ESPN and TNT because yeah. I like their production. I like their pre and, and intermission. I like that Kevin Weeks, friend of the show, is on ESPN. You, I like what they're doing with the TNT. TNT knows how to do pre- and post-game shows. Like, it's fun. You also happen to flip by those channels a lot. Like, like how many times did you purposely say, I wonder what's on NBCSN tonight? Yeah. Like, yeah, and, I mean, does NBCSN, did they pull the plug on that finally? They are pulling the plug, yeah. I'm they not are. sure it's gone. I don't think yes. it's officially, but yes, they are. And as, but, a, as a YouTube TV guy, mm-hmm. ESPN and ESPN2 and TNT are among like the first 15 or 20 channels on the scroll down. Yep. Uh, and maybe NBC Sports Network was too. I can't remember, but it was but such an afterthought. It. Yeah, right. it was such right. an afterthought. Hey, l- last thing. Speaking of old go- goaltenders, just. Want to show you guys this card? We got it. Joe Malash, the California Golden Seals, who became who became Cleveland, who merged with the North <laughs> Stars, and that's when Joe Malash 
my favorite goalie of all time joined the Dude, North Stars. You know what we should do? So I got a lot of cards here. I've got uh, I've got a Super Nintendo in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it is. Yeah, uh, we should. We could probably just do this on some some other platform too. It would be fun to play like NHL '94 and just like yeah. Just do like a weekly game of NHL '94 oh on the YouTube channel God, and just like swingers? talk about the wild, talk about hockey and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, I was more of an NHL '95 guy myself. Mm. Not gonna lie, '94 kind of revolutionized the wow you know, the scene. But uh, I love that idea, Dex. You were a little too young for those, or did you get into them retroactively? I got the yeah. Uh, I got into those when I like bought a Sega just for s and giggles. But uh, I got into those. My my era is like NHL '01, NHL hits. ESPN NHL 2K5 like that is that was my my wheelhouse yeah. which was great See, I would uh, I would do NHL 95 for Super Nintendo and I would I, I w- because the North Stars were gone it was like a yep. weird time where yep. I grew up I wasn't really a North Stars fan because I was born in the 80s and they were gone by 93 so I was a I was temporarily a Red Wings fan in the 90s <laughs> they're good yeah because like there wasn't a Minnesota team right yeah and so I would be the Red Wings and then I would just swing as many trades as possible. Like I would, I would Classic. trade for all the best mid '90s players. You know, like Yarmir Yager would be on my team Messier. as a Red Wing guy. So, yeah, no yeah. salary cap. Yarmir Yager, who I saw a clip of him. They were showing the, um, like when ESPN debuted NHL in like the early '90s. Was it like '93 or something when they initially started running, like on so. ESPN two? Two, yes. Yeah. And they Nin- showed '93. I think they launched. Okay, so they showed. Uh, they showed Yarmir Yager in a game in 1993 with that sweet, large oh, yeah. mullet. It's like, that guy just retired like three years ago. Yeah. He's still playing. He's still playing in the KHL. In Russia? Mm-hmm. In, uh, yeah. In, no, the, the uh, Czech League. Czech League. The Czech okay. League. But he's still playing. He's, he's in like my 50s. Is he 50? Dude's like my age. Yeah. yeah. He's unreal. It's incredible. Good for, Good for him. All right. Uh, also on Thursdays, Declan goes into the archives. He finds incriminating, mostly incorrect tweets from us. It's called Old Tweets Exposed here. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Judd. Uh, a Timberwolves edition of Old Tweets Exposed because we were talking uh, oh on Tuesday, the random season recall of 2014-2015 Wolves, and it got me thinking, even though he wasn't on that roster, the name uh, certain Timberwolves players brought up. So I did a little archiving, and Phil Mackey and myself, plus Stella. Hi, Stella. Stella's joining the show. Stella's joining the show Stella. for all the tweets exposed. Stella, who's Hi, everybody. Girl, Stella. She she Stella. Stella. Got to get Stella some Kraken swag. I love it. She loves a little bandana. Kraken jersey. <laughs> yeah, a little bandana. Yeah. I like that. She'd love that. Big uh, hockey fan. Phil and I are tied together, so we'll start with Phil. November 30th. Oh, excuse me, as I try to turn my screen first. Uh, November 30th, 2012, for Phil Mackey. Oh, my God. I hate the Barrera-Ridenauer backcourt. That's a fine take. Just a disaster. Absolutely. I feel like Shved should be playing like 30 <laughs> minutes per game. Uh, womp, okay. womp. Let me... Let me are you, you going to do this? Yeah. Nine explain. years? So, first of all, we all agree that the first part of this take was correct, correct. right? J.J. Barrea, Luke Ridenauer, mm-hmm. just an absolute abomination of a backcourt. No defense being played. Uh, I think Ridnauer was about six feet tall, and Berea was about five, five six. Yeah, so it's one of the smallest backcourts you can find, and they were both sort of average offensively. So I was desperate. We were all desperate. What's okay. the next thing? What's who's the next guy that can just slide in here? And Alexi Shved looked good, and I think he looked good in like the European games or something. So, oh my gosh. I, I, Is that I your could, explanation? If I could rephrase this, it would be, can we just try something else besides Berea and Ridnauer, right? And Alexi Shved was the, the next guy up. Mm. 
Oh, Stella, Stella's tired. Stella's like, yeah, move on. Yeah, move on. Move on. Show my tweets. Well, Phil wasn't alone because I was also drinking the Alexi Shved Kool-Aid. Just two oh months prior, God. September 27, 2012. Oh, you Alexi Shved. I like the theme. Is legit. Alexi Shved is legit. So legit. So he so tore legit. it up in the Olympics this year. That That's was in right. 2012 with Russia. He was awesome with Russia. Tore I believe in Russia. It's relative. And yeah. then this must have been preseason, or maybe I was. It's 2.50 p.m. So maybe I was watching some YouTube highlights between classes at St. Cloud State of Alexi Shved and was just all yeah. in. Not this sure. would have been. This definitely would have been before. For the the exhibition games started, right. they would have been in camp. So maybe yeah, you're you're probably watching Alexi Shved YouTube videos. Two fifty in college, <laughs> you were probably drinking that day. I, I, that's also completely on. Before we get to Judd's, who's worse? I I want so my tweet is I want Alexi Shved to play thirty minutes a game, and yeah. Dex is just saying, dude, he's legit. That's probably he's me. Legit. It's kind of a tie. mine's more. In, um, mine's more declarative. I think they're tied. Like okay, I think they're tied because okay. I it's both it's both completely desperate hope. Like it's this oh my god maybe there's somebody here who could help us. Yeah. All right. Well, Judley, you don't have a Lexi Shved take, but you do have a take just from last December when preseason games are starting on a certain NBA player on the Timberwolves. Okay. All right. Uh, talking point one though, Jarrett Culver. Okay. Jarrett Culver was in his first year with the Wolves a disaster from the free throw line. He was <laughs> absolutely atrocious. 18 points last night, 5 of 12 from the field, and most importantly probably for him, 6 for 6 from the line. I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that Jarrett Culver is going to be a savior because I don't, but I do think with what he can bring potentially defensively, which, by the way, this team is going to need badly, I don't know consistently where the defense is going to come from, and I don't think they're good enough to outscore teams. So I do think that the Okogis and Culvers are going to have to play. Yeah. Like, they're going to have to play them. Um, but I think with what we've seen from Culver, the new shot, uh, he looks, I think he looks stronger. Yeah. That I that this is go- going to go from being what appeared to be an incredibly questionable draft pick, not because of desire, but just because of talent, to what could be. That could oh, be a really solid. Oh, he's pick. gone. Judd is gone. A, yeah. Judd, Judd has left. I mean, that's that was a dissertation on why Jarrett Culver is turning. <laughs> Did you see how big my beard was by that point? Yeah, I'm like, like, God. let's talk about my beard and not the take. Yeah, I win. I win. I think you do. I mean, you. It's I tough easily. because you ex, you explored more space with your take, and but thankfully still, Declan and I were limited to. It's uh, still awful. So certain characters. Or it's worse actually. So I remember that wow. game. I remember that Jarrett Culver yeah. game. Congratulations. And I remember Declan and I were both excited, but of course Declan didn't get himself on that. He got me, and he's right. Yeah. I said I was, wow, that's embarrassing. Also, congratulations to Judd. He got a good point from Greg Wyshynski there on one of your questions. And the the good, yeah, the mm-hmm. good question, good point standings now. Uh, I have 30, Judd has 27, and Declan has one. But we also don't have many guests on the show. So I think we should just get more guests on just to try and, like, Get more good question, good point. Let's get uh, gooped on. Sasha. I don't think he, I don't know. I I, I did put in He's a request with people. my with my people in the Wolves organization. We can get Billy Garen back on at some point. We might at some point be getting Alex Rodriguez on the show. What? I don't want to tease it too much, but we're at some point. Really? It sounds like we're going to get Alex Rodriguez on the show. Can I <laughs> give him some of my thoughts? On sure. His, on his. Commentary work? 
think you should do the studio for Fox. I think the stuff in the booth, Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, it might be time to move I, on from that. I think, yeah, I think he's better at the studio stuff. He's way he's better at the good studio, studio stuff because it's fun. Because it's funny. Yeah. He and Poppy are good. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a wrap on a just a very, uh, I guess, I Mark know, information full edition of Reckless Mark Speculation Thursday. Mark Laurie. Let, let's get I like Mark Laurie on. Are you going to move the Timberwolves to the new city that you're building? The city I want to hear future? about the city. I might relocate. Me too. I'm curious. I might go. Yeah. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us here, Mackie and Judd. Tomorrow, we'll take your uh, your feedback, feedback Friday. So send us your messages through the Score North app, and uh, maybe they'll make the show tomorrow. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.